Man. Y'all having a good time in church this morning? <laughs> Tell you what, when I was growing up, good time in church were never used in the same sentence. <laughs> I mean, come to learn that if somebody thinks church is boring all the time, they're not really having church. I mean, when you're in the presence of the Lord, it's, it's a good time. You know, God's will for our life is that we enjoy Him, that we enjoy Him. That's what it means to be a Christian. So it's good when we can come together and do that. If you have your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 8 again. You know, this is the 18th Sunday that we have been in the book of Romans. And I just got to say, I hope y'all are getting as much out of it as I am, because I'm just enjoying the heck out of this. I mean, this this particular text that we're going to look at today, as I was studying this, I mean, there was a moment where I just went, wow, there it is. There it is. Just, I mean, the word is so rich, and so my prayer is that, man, the Holy Spirit would just show you the same things that he has shown me in this um, before we get to the where we left off last week, I want to just kind of remind us of the context that we're in here. You know, last week, the verses before this, we saw how Paul was contrasting those who live according to the flesh with those who live according to the Spirit. And I pointed out how we often try to determine which one of those two categories we fall under based on how we act, based on our behavior. For instance, I may have a bad day where I lost my temper as everybody was trying to get ready for uh, school and made the kids cry. I got in a huge fight with my wife. I didn't spend any time in the Word that day. And so I determined that on that day I was living according to the flesh. But then Sunday came and I had a great time in praise and worship. The message really spoke to me. I put money in the plate and I even prayed with someone at the end of the service. And so therefore that day I was living according to the Spirit. And that is a good example of how we generally define our relationship with God based on our behavior or how we feel on the days that we're not as, quote, spiritual, we then assume that God is far from us and disappointed in us. And then on the days where I've read my Bible, I've listened to Christian music, and I helped an old lady across the street, that God is closer to me on those days and a whole lot more impressed with me. We place a higher value on our behavior than we do anything else and therefore make that the deciding factor in how we believe God views us. But we learned last week that although we have a tendency to focus primarily on our behavior, God's focus isn't on the outside as much as it is on the inside. He's more concerned about the heart than he is the behavior because he knows that the behavior is just a symptom of the heart. Paul even pointed out that whether or not we are living according to the flesh or according to the Spirit isn't determined by what we do. In verse 9, he says that that is determined by whether or not the Holy Spirit dwells in you. 
the Holy Spirit being in you is not determined by how you act. It's not like on the days you act bad, the Holy Spirit left, and then once you start acting right again, He came in. God says that when we are in Christ, we are sealed in the Holy Spirit. You're not able to break that seal. Paul was not making a comparison between good Christians and bad Christians. He was describing those who have been saved in Jesus and those who are not. His main point last week was all about how um, our inward condition apart from Christ is what caused us to live in rebellion and sin against God. And it's our inward condition in Christ that enables us to not sin. And so what we're going to read today just flows right from everything that we talked about last week. So let's look at this, Romans chapter 8, beginning of verse 12. Let's stand together in honor of God's Word. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray, God, by your Holy Spirit, you would just take the truths here in your word and just sear them into our minds and uh, transform our hearts. God, this is such good stuff in here. And Lord, I pray that there's some people here that it just finally clicks with this morning. And they walk out of here completely different than when they came in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is another one of those dangerous texts that I've talked about before that we can very easily interpret through a self-centered lens. And I really want to focus in on verse 13 because if we don't read this within the context of everything that we talked about last week, we are going to completely misinterpret this. He says, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now on the surface and taken out of context, this verse makes it sound like our destiny is determined by our behavior. Determined determined by how we do, whether or not we are putting to death the deeds of the body. And if you interpret this verse with that perspective, your whole relationship with God is going to be spent feeling like you're having to walk on eggshells every day. If living according to the flesh is is determined by how I behave, and then this says if I'm living according to the flesh, I must die, then that means, man, on my bad days, I can be taken out just like that. When we looked at verses 5 through 8 last week, I pointed out how those verses are commonly taught using lists. And they'll say, if you are doing the things on this list, these kind of behaviors, then that's an indicator that you're living according to the flesh. And if you do the things on this list, these are examples of how you can live according to the Spirit. 
But look, if that is the whole point of those verses, look at what verse 13 becomes if you read it from that context. If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. That would then mean if you are doing any of the things on this bad list, you must die. I'm telling you right now, teaching that way is a great way to exert control over a group of people. You put enough fear in someone that God's going to strike them dead or that they can lose their salvation on, on any given bad day, then you can get people to act pretty much however you want them to. And sadly, that's exactly how many so-called preachers have abused God's word for that very purpose, to control how people act. But just like I said earlier, Paul clearly points out in verse 9 that living according to the flesh or whether we're living according to the spirit isn't determined by what we do on the outside, but by what God has done on the inside. Look at verse 9 again. He says, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed you do all the things on the spirit list. Is that what he says? No. He says, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's what determines that. That's why I said two weeks ago that context is everything when we're reading the Bible. If we hadn't already determined that Paul was talking about those who are saved versus those who are lost, then verse 13 would sound like it's all about our behavior. But remember, what we do on the outside is just a symptom, not the disease. And so what Paul's really saying in verse 13 is that if your heart hasn't been changed by Jesus, if your sinful nature that you came into this world with has not died and been replaced by God's divine nature, you must die. That is the just punishment for those who are lost apart from Christ. That is what determines whether or not you are living according to the flesh. We have to be just as careful with the other half of verse 13. He says, but if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now here's how that verse is translated, how we usually take that from a self-centered rather than a Christ-centered perspective. Say that it means, if I put the deeds of my body to death, I will live. Some of you are saying, well, it sounds like you pretty much quoted the verse there. I mean, isn't that what that's saying? What's wrong with that? Well, first of all, I left out a couple key words there that we're going to talk about in a minute. But that statement lines up perfectly with our incorrect default way of thinking that if I do this, God is going to do this. And I've spoken pretty extensively about how that is not the way that God operates in our lives under the new covenant. That is an old covenant mindset. If I put the deeds of my flesh to death, then God will fill in the blank. God will save me. But that's clearly what verse 13 sounds like if it's taken out of context. But the main reason we know that that is a wrong way to take it is because that interpretation bases salvation solely on what you do. And it totally contradicts Ephesians 2.8, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, talking about salvation, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. 
Salvation isn't based on what you do. It's based on what God does. Salvation is all God's doing, not yours. The key to what Paul is talking about in verse 13 is where he says, by the Spirit. If by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The only way that the deeds of the body are put to death by the Spirit is if the Spirit is living in you. The only way for the Spirit to be living in you is is if you have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Again, the focus here is what's on the inside rather than what you are doing on the outside. But that then begs the question, is it possible to put the deeds of the body to death without the Spirit? You bet it is. How do we do that? Well, first, let's establish what we mean by putting to death the deeds of the body. That would include anything like, you know, uh, avoiding temptation, choosing not to sin. You may struggle with the sin and you feel real tempted to do it again, but you put that to death. You, you walk away from it and you redirect your behavior in another way. To give a practical example, let's say the struggle is with Pornography, which is a huge struggle in our culture today. To put those deeds to death, you could get someone to hold you accountable in that where you know they're going to meet with you once a week and they're going to ask you the hard questions. How have you been on the computer this week? And so you don't want to answer that you have failed and so they kind of keep your behavior in check that way. You could put safeguards on your computer. You could make sure that your computer was in a visible place where you couldn't hide what you were doing. You can make sure that when you're alone, that instead of being on the computer, you're reading your Bible, you're listening to Christian music, or you just go somewhere where you're not alone. Those would be examples of putting the deeds of the body to death. Now, here are some reasons that you might do those things, and these would be just some examples of putting the deeds of the body to death without the Spirit. Follow along in your notes there. If you do the things because... You believe it is going to gain some type of leverage with God. What do I mean by that? I mean that you believe that somehow by doing these things, it is going to tilt God's scales in your favor just a bit. Which really is the definition of religion. What can I do to tilt the scales in my favor? It means that it's going to give you something that you believe that you can bargain with God with. God, I did this, therefore you should whatever you're wanting him to do. If you do it with the idea so that God will bless me. If you do it because you just don't want to get caught. If you do it because you don't want to lose your job. If you do it because you want to fit in with others, you don't want your Christian friends in your Sunday school class to reject you or judge or think bad of you in any way, and you may do it in order to save your marriage. Maybe your wife has threatened to leave you if you don't bring this under control, and so you try really hard to put the deeds of the body to death in order to save your marriage. Some of you may think, well, wait a minute, those are some pretty good reasons. I mean, some of those are godly reasons. I mean, wouldn't God not want my marriage to fall apart? So couldn't the Spirit lead me to do this for that reason in order to save my marriage? Well, it depends. 
first, let me ask you this. Do you have to be a Christian to have any of those reasons listed there? No. Someone who doesn't know Christ could try to keep from sinning for any one of those reasons listed right there. And here's why. Next point in your bulletin. None of those reasons have anything to do with a relationship with God. None of them do. I recently read a column by a man named Matt Moore. Matt is a man who, from as far back as he can remember, when he was a young boy, he struggled with same-gender attraction. He grew up in the Bible Belt of Louisiana where all he heard was how wrong and how sinful and how disgusting that was. And he knew just enough of the Bible to know that it was an abominable thing to God. And so he prayed every night that God would change him. God, make me normal. God, make me straight. God, make me just like everyone else. God, take these sinful desires away from me. But God wasn't answering his prayers. He would ask his Christian friends, why won't God answer me? I mean, I'm praying his will, aren't I? Isn't it God's will that this is not who I am, that this is not the kind of lifestyle I live? Why isn't he answering a prayer that lines up with his will? I want to read what he said about what he eventually realized. He said, firstly, when I grew up pleading with God to make me straight, I had no real interest in God himself. I wasn't praying for God to do this because I loved him or wanted to live my life for him. I was actually pretty unconcerned about him, to be honest. I wanted God to take my desire away for my own benefit so that I could fit in, be normal, be one of the guys. I wasn't worried about being moral. I just wanted to be normal. My desire to be straight was all about me. I had no interest in being reconciled to God or having a relationship with Christ. And then he says this, and this will flat preach right here. He says, from what I see in the Bible, God is far more concerned with first fixing our hearts than he is with fixing other things in our life. It's true. We keep praying and praying for God to fix these peripheral things. He's going, no, you're missing it. That's not where it's at. It's in your heart. Eventually, Matt found that relationship with Jesus, and now that his heart has changed, his desires and his behavior have just followed suit. They've changed as well. But before that happened, he was trying to put to death the deeds of the body, but without the Spirit. God doesn't really care if you are striving against sin if it isn't being done by His Spirit. Some will say, well, it doesn't really matter what the reason is as long as you're trying to stop sinning, right? Well, no. Remember, Christianity, the goal of Christianity is not to stop sinning. The goal is to know Jesus. And it's only in light of knowing Him does sin begin to lose its appeal. The more we know Him, the more we're changed on the inside, and then the more the outside lines up with that. Well, how do you determine whether or not you are putting to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit? It's pretty simple. Next point in your guide there. It's 
by how you answer this question. Are you doing it because of what you want? Or, or are you doing it because of who you are? Are you doing it because you want to be blessed? Because you want your kids to not uh, be hurt or messed up in any way? Are you doing it because you want to not get caught? You want to fit in with your church friends? Are you doing it because you want your marriage to survive? Or are you doing it because as a child of God, redeemed, set free, and clothed in righteousness, that's just not who you are? Are you doing it because of how it reflects on God rather than how it reflects on you? Are you doing it because Jesus paid such a high price to enable you to keep from doing it? A lost person cannot do it for any of those reasons that I just listed there. Only someone with a relationship with Jesus Christ who understands what he has done and who they are in him can think that way. I mean, just look at where Paul takes this next. It's like he's saying, if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, and then he explains what that means, what that looks like. He goes straight into our identity in Christ. He's saying those who live are the ones who are putting to death the deeds of the body, not because of what they want, but because of who they are. And then he reminds us of who we are. Verse 14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. You have been made a son of the Father. Women, that includes you too. I don't always say daughters and sons because there is a significance in what it means to be a son of the Father that you are included in as well. The significance being that Jesus is the Son of the Father and you are in Him. Everything that the Son has from the Father, you now have as well. Because of his death and resurrection, the life that Jesus enjoys as a son of the Father has been made available to all who put their trust in him. Jesus was able to live a perfect life even though he was fully human. How was he able to do that? Well, some will say because he was also God. Well, yeah, that's true, but that's not the reason. Philippians 2.7 says that he emptied himself to be in the likeness of men. It means Jesus relinquished all supernatural ability that would give him any advantage that humans didn't have. He was just as limited by the same things that you and I are limited by. The only difference was that he did not have a sin nature that we have apart from Christ. The reason why Jesus was able to perform all those miracles was because he was completely dependent on the Father. He trusted him. It was the Father doing those things through him via the Spirit. Next point. Jesus was able to live the life he lived because he knew what it meant to be a son of the Father. Plain and simple. Now let's talk about that for just a minute because it has everything to do with what it means to put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. I did a series a couple years ago called Orphans No More where I talked a lot about what it means to be a son of the Father. 
But I want to mention just three aspects, aspects of that as an example of how it ties in with what Paul is saying here. Because Jesus knew that he was God's son, three things I want to mention that that, that meant for him. Number one, it meant that he never had to fret about protection. He never had to worry about provision. And he never had to strive for position. We talked about these before. He knew that all of this was taken care of in the Father. And there are many examples in Jesus' life on earth that reveal these things about him. Now, here's how they relate to putting to death the deeds of the body. Fear is a lack of trust in God, which itself is a sin. When you know that as a son of the Father, you don't ever have to fret about your protection, that fear dissolves with your trust in Him. Does that mean bad things aren't going to happen to you? No, not at all. But it means that even if the bad in the, with, if bad things do happen, they didn't happen outside of the detailed involvement of a loving father who has your best in mind. It's about trusting him even with the bad things. If I'm tempted to steal something, if I have a problem with stealing, the root cause of that usually is because I fear that I won't have enough, that I won't be able to get what I want. I have to rely on my own ability to get what I want or provide for my needs. But if I trust that God takes care of all my provision, then I won't feel the need to steal anymore. I have just put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit because the Spirit reminded me that I'm a son of the Father and He takes care of all my provision. If I constantly criticize others, it's usually because deep down I feel that I have to promote myself by making myself look better than everyone else. Lying will also be an issue for people who are striving for self-promotion and self-preservation. Anything done at the expense of others for your own purposes is an attempt to strive for some type of position. That you're trying to attain. But if I understand my position as a son of the Father, I know that there is no higher position that I could ever try to attain or achieve on my own. There is no need then to promote myself in any way. So now I can live by serving others and building them up rather than tearing them down at every turn because I see them as some type of threat to my position. I can sit back and know that it's okay to be last or unrecognized rather than always trying to jump up to the front of the line to be first and have everybody recognize me. That is putting to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit because the Spirit reminds you you're a son of the Father. You don't have to strive for any type of position. There's no position you can get that's higher than who you are in him. Most adultery is committed when someone is attempting to get from someone else what they're not getting from their spouse. With men, usually that is affirmation and respect. With women, it's usually going to be an emotional connection. 
Men cheat for ego, women cheat for emo. That's what they say. (laughs) But if you realize what it means to be a son of the Father, you know that you could never receive more affirmation or have more of a connection than you have in Him. When you are satisfied in Christ, you will stop demanding that your spouse meets all your needs, much less go looking for it in someone else. And so when you are satisfied in God meeting all your needs, He's giving you that affirmation that men need. He's given that connection that women need. Then you can just enjoy your spouse and not constantly resent them for not meeting your needs because you're satisfied as a son of the Father that's putting to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. Verse 16 says that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. That right there is a definition of putting to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. It's being tempted to commit a particular sin and the Holy Spirit inside you going, whoa, wait a minute, that's not who you are. You're a son of the Father. That need that you're trying to meet right there has already been met for you in Jesus. He's met that need for you. And so you walking away from that is based then not on what you want, but it's based on your relationship with Jesus and who you are in Him. That's again why the whole first first half of Romans 8 isn't about our behavior. It's about our identity. It's not about what we do, but it's all about what Jesus has done and what he's continuing to do inside of us, transforming our heart. And I'll close with this. Some of you have been beating yourself up. Now, y'all hang on before you start shuffling papers and getting your purses together, okay? I'm not going to say I'm going to close with this anymore. That's usually what happens. I mean, seriously, because this is where I believe the Holy Spirit's really going to start doing some heart surgery in somebody. I don't want you to miss it. You've been beating yourself up with guilt over something that you've done or some sin that you've been struggling with. You feel ashamed and condemned thinking that God is disgusted with you because of your behavior. But I want you to hear this. He's not mad about your behavior He's sad about your heart. And he wants to heal that. And he wants you to realize all that he has made available to you. He wants you to believe in who he has made you in Christ. He is not withholding anything from you. He is offering everything to you. Let's pray. Lord, that's it. That's what it takes in order to live a life that glorifies you. In order to live a life that lines up with who we are in you. I just believing in what it means and understanding what it means to be a son of the Father.
with all the privileges of a firstborn heir. Man. God, if we could get that, never have to strive or worry for anything again. So Lord, I pray right now those who have been so focused on their behavior problem that God, you would just begin right now revealing the source of that. It's in their heart. What hurt needs to still be healed? What need are they still trying to feel? Desire they're trying to satisfy? Lord, no matter how hard they try to satisfy that, apart from you, nothing's ever going to work. So, Lord, I pray right now they would see that and they would come to you in full repentance. God, you are so good. I just thank you, God, for just meeting us with, with us this morning the way you have, just allowing us to just be able to enjoy you. God, I know the life that you went to the cross for us to be able to live is not just about enjoying you on Sunday morning but enjoying you every day, enjoying you in our marriage, enjoying you in our work, enjoying you when we are alone and no one is looking. God, that's what we want. So, Lord, would you just draw us to you right now? Or let this be a powerful time of ministry where lives are changed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.